everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. I'm Christy, and we're really excited today to have another guest who is also a member of our Bridges Clinician community, Alina Kwong, who is a psychotherapist and licensed social worker, as well as a certified yoga practitioner and Reiki master. Nice to meet everyone and glad to be here today. Alina, your approach focuses on mindfulness and somatic-based wellness tools. And one piece we really wanted to have you on to talk about was seasonal affective disorder, or otherwise known as SAD. Alina is facilitating a virtual support group around SAD. So we really wanted to learn more about your experience around SAD, a lot something that a lot of us might be feeling and moving through right now. So it's seasonal affective disorder, known as SAD. So it's a type of depression that occurs within the winter months, more commonly um, when the seasons changes, but specifically it's more common in the winter months. But however, it is also prevalent within spring to summer months as well. Yeah, I'm curious what, what you notice in terms of it coming up more in the winter months, even if we can feel seasonal changes throughout the year. Yes, for sure. So within the winter months, it's felt more commonly and uh, there's this feeling of strong depression, sadness and anxiety. There's changes in energy levels as well. So energy is usually low. Um, There's also fatigue and we're feeling less motivated in general to do anything. And also there's changes in appetite and also weight. Mm. So within the winter, there's a stronger craving for carbohydrates. So that can lead to weight gain. So we tend to be eating more if it's during the winter. And then also sleep, it will also increase as well. And the isolation the loss of interest, the withdrawal, difficulty concentration, that can also come through as well as suicidal thoughts as well. What do we know so far about the connection between winter or the seasons changing and all of these symptoms that you're outlining? Yeah, actually, there's no like absolute known cause for why this occurs. However, there are elements within the seasons changes that can contribute to a dip in the mood in general. Mm -hmm. So as you see in winter, there's less sunlight and the days are shorter. And so sunlight is a very important factor in terms of mood because it's correlated with serotonin activity, which is serotonin is a hormone and also a mood regulator. So with less light, um, there's also evidence that shows that serotonin activity is also reduced. There's also melatonin levels and then um, circadian rhythms. So our own body's uh, sleep-wake regulating system, that's also disrupted. Melatonin levels increase because there's more darkness and there's less sunlight and that can often make us feel more sluggish more tired more low and when one circadian rhythm is disrupted then it's also common to find that one's mood and behavior and regular living patterns also kind of shift towards that especially with mental health and mood there could be also a relationship towards our idea with winter sometimes what are we associating with so like are we coupling some negative thoughts or memories towards the season specifically darkness and winter that can also cause one to feel like even more low vitamin D levels. So that's something we can get from food, but also is activated from sunlight. And vitamin D is also connected to serotonin activity. So with sunlight being lessened, that can also reduce the amount of serotonin as well within our body. 
Well, so a lot of like natural or cyclical factors involved in how our mood shifts. Yeah, I, I feel like there are some clients that I speak to that can be like, oh, winter is a huge downer for me. Like I know, you know, also within the pandemic and also with New York winters, it being cold, like, oh, this is very triggering. Yeah, I appreciate your speaking to maybe individual memories or anniversaries or just associations that we have when it's colder and darker out or even holidays coming up around the winter as well. And so there can often be the sense of like body experience of trauma or of loss or something like that, in addition to the seasonal change. Oh, for sure. I think what you said is very on point and there are so many things and memories associated and that come together with this winter season. So that can also be a huge like mood effector in general. You did outline a lot of symptoms, noticing changes in appetite or our body or energy levels. How might people notice other effects of, of SAD in themselves or other people around them too? Probably if they're not feeling it within themselves, like emotionally, then it might be also felt within what they're doing on the day to day. Like they might notice a shift in the speed that they're doing things or the way that maybe they're not moving as quickly as they would during summer. They could feel that like certain shift, but also feel that there is some kind of like slight difference that's, that's going on there. Sounds like a lot of noticing and practicing ways to be mindful in ourselves and our mood energy levels of like, we only can really notice those things if we are checking in. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you see ways for people to cope with SAD? So first of all, I'd say getting that support that we need. So whether if it means seeking professional help with a therapist individually or within a group setting, that it also means like building your own self-care routine and regime for the winter. So asking yourself, what is it I need during these winter months to nurture me? So self-care might be, we need to up that a little more maybe during the winter. So if I'm staying indoors and I'm not going outside and this is how I'm feeling, how can I build my own tools within as well to keep my mood upbeat? I also have read a lot about with the use of light lamps. Those are lamps that mimic sunlight and they're best used um, in the morning for 20 to 30 minutes. Again, that would also help with serotonin activity and moving uh, your mood to a more healthier and upbeat one. As well as that, as like eating and what we eat, that also contributes to personal wellness and how we're feeling. So watching about how our diet is. So it's easy for us to maybe gravitate to certain foods when it's cold. And maybe we want to feel like we want warmth and comfort. But can we evaluate our dietary choices so that we're eating in a balanced manner? Can I eat more protein? Can I eat more whole grains or like healthy carbohydrates and healthy fats? Because they also will make one feel better in their body and and, you know, you're avoiding like the crashes and emotional dips of having processed foods. So there is a way of also helping yourself feel better. So physical health as well, like how am I moving my body? So when we move, we're also activating feel good hormone within our system. Can I do yoga? Can I go for a walk? Can I just exercise and move my body so that I'm also naturally producing more of those feel good hormones so that I feel well? Hmm. stepping outside as well is important. So I know it's cold, but can we get out for five or 10 minutes just for a walk, just for a breath of air in our face so that we're not always just confined to our desk and being indoors as well as that connection. So a lot of it, like we're indoors right now, it's cold, it's winter. Like, how can I connect more? Like, can I 
meet more with my friends, family, loved ones, with peers, or in other ways, can I volunteer in some way that would enhance more of that interaction that makes us feel more connected and safe within this current environment? Those are quite important things to kind of like pull in when we enter these winter months, kind of create something that's nurturing for ourselves so that we can also feel comfortable and well during these next few months. Hearing all of these ways to really nurture all these different parts of ourselves, like from connection to therapy or self-care or even the foods that we're eating and how much we are literally getting outside and, and feeling fresh air or seeing the reality around us outside of our apartments. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about convenience, even in my own decisions Mm -hmm. during the winter. And so many of my decisions being based on like, what is the most efficient way to get a meal or to see someone. And while we're still moving through COVID and a lot of distance between everyone, that there's still this intentional effort to put in to take care of ourselves. Because I can see myself if I'm eating more take out or processed foods that are just easier to access, then it could perpetuate these sad symptoms and cycles and maybe even dig myself a little bit lower instead of doing those things that could help keep up my mood or to maintain energy levels, even if they're natural changes. Yeah, that can be normal as well, right? Because it's also like, it's colder, you know, we're more indoors, like sometimes that energy is naturally a little lower. So um, having a little bit more of a mindfulness exercise in terms of more of that internal check-in and setting that intention of, okay, so how do I want to maneuver this winter season? Like, okay, can I order foods that are more like healthy or can I have in store more in my place, like foods that are easy or prepared that are also like healthy high plant-based there in store for me so that I can go to that first before I I reach to doing something that's convenient and just have a little bit of that balance with that. But if we can have more of those healthy things in sight, that also can be a reminder and encourage us to, to be more inclined towards making healthier food choices. Yeah, that reminds me of the notion of coping ahead, the idea of taking care of yourself in advance. And that would require some of that forethought of making sure to get certain groceries or prepare certain foods so that when you are at the point of making a decision, it's a lot easier to choose something that is more aligned with what your body or what you might need rather than only doing something last minute. Yeah, I think that can be helpful, um, but also understand that many of us lead very busy lives. So sometimes that can be hard to do, right? Mm. But having that intention to stop and pause maybe like every day or at the end of the week and being like, what can I bring in more to my week? Or what did I do last week that I can also like do a little differently this week that also helps me get towards these goals that I want to bring in as well to make sure that I feel good during these winter months. A lot of times when mindfulness is talked about, I think that people who might be newer to this practice can question like, well, how many times a day or how often do I have to literally be mindful? And what does a check-in actually look like? I'm curious what you might suggest around how people can begin to practice more mindfulness and in a sustainable way. Hey, that's, I think that's a great question, Christy. Um, so for mindfulness is also like having this pause from what we're always doing and just really sitting into being. So, you know, in the morning, can we take five or 10 minutes to sit down, relax, and also attune to our breath, but then also think about what kind of things do I need to bring in for today or need to do? Um, and just kind of have like a little bit of a rough guide of where you want to go today, and then also exercise that flexibility that, okay, 
some of it I might finish, some of it might not. So what kind of things are on the priority, but also how am I feeling today? Am I feeling like tired or am I feeling really energized? So kind of checking in like with my mood and seeing from there what sounds reasonable for my body and my mind before going forward. And then as we work through our day, then we can get to lunchtime and we can have a little time off from our from our work. So making sure that, you know, if we can step away from our desk, can we have our meal outside or be away from electronics and sit there and then also enjoy your meal. But after your meal, just kind of feel like, okay, how am I feeling today? Realistically, how much energy do I have for the rest of the day? How can I manage it so I'm not burnt out by the end of the day? Knowing as well in winter, our energy levels, like everything is about hibernation and slowing down. So that's really normal, natural within like the seasons and environments. And perhaps if you also have time before bed, just again, switching from work mode into sleep mode. So where do I get that unplugging moment and time off? And like, just again, sitting, allowing ourselves to relax. And we can also do some reflection on the day. Like, okay, how did that work for me doing this, knowing I felt this way? So if tomorrow I feel this way, how can I do something different that is more suitable for how my energy and my emotional states are? I love that you're outlining that there's so many times throughout the day to check in, but I do especially love that intention at the beginning of the day that we can have some idea of where we do want to go in the day, but the balancing of how flexible and realistic we want to be with where our body is at and what our capacity is. And as you were talking about that hibernation, I was thinking about how many people I've encountered personally and in my work who felt burnt out Mm -hmm. and very concerned about how productive they were being, especially over the last few months. And expectations about productivity might actually change too with the changing seasons and giving ourselves more grace about what's reasonable when we have more or less energy and when we are in one season versus another. Oh, I totally agree. And that's so like beautifully said by you. I feel like the human mind, we're always driven to go, 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 right? It's within society, it's within culture. So it's normal for that mind to want to keep continue to like plug through. But the seasons, if you can also like look around as well, you can see that things slow down in general, like nature also slows down. So how come we also wouldn't think our nature would also go in tune with those seasons Mm. and going with that rhythm instead of going against it? Because that can also be stressful. Yeah, I love that going with those natural rhythms instead of fighting against them. That sounds exhausting to continue to fight against them when we might actually need that hibernation or slowness. I have two more questions about sad. I'm curious about what draws you to work with sad or work around it and even facilitate virtual support groups around it. Right. So um, I feel like definitely within my younger years, I really felt those emotions change when it, whenever it was winter. And that for me, I felt like my weight, I definitely put that on during winter. And I never really understood that. And I also felt like melancholic, kind of low, sad back then. But I think through my own healing process, I've been moving from Asia that was very sunny to like New York and and going through it, I kind of made some amends with my thought patterns with it. A lot of my peers and friends experience a shift in this mood. I'm like, oh my gosh, winter's coming. Like there's this like a fear towards this. And then also, you know, knowing that we're also within a pandemic too right now and we're all staying indoors and 
it's really cold outside and it's hard to socialize. It's so easy for one to feel isolated, even more so with the pandemic. So after speaking and connecting to a few clients and knowing that, wow, you know, more people are actually feeling this way. I, I felt like in what way can I also expand and hold space for other people and my connection with it really fostered this desire to create this support group where I want people to come in to feel that that is always here. So we have an open group. So we allow people to come in when they can. And, um, you know, there are some members that are here that come every session, but I just wanted to create this opening in this moment where, you know, times are hard. Like, can we come together and connect and do different types of activities, talk about how we're feeling and know that we're not alone in dealing with this. So that really inspired this movement and creating this group. That leads to my, my other question of for folks who maybe have little or no experience in a therapy group or a support group, what might you describe as the experience you witness as a facilitator of group to have that kind of support, even if it is virtual? I had spoken to my supervisor in, in wanting to create this into something that's fun, lively, and creative, as well as having its processing elements where people can talk. So definitely having the environment where people feel comfortable and feel safe and trustworthy within this space. So um, within our sessions, we do some mindfulness to begin. So some like grounding and breathwork activities. And then after that, there are some opportunities where I am sharing like psychoeducational materials about how to cope with SAD and how to feel better within the seasons. Um, I also do different things like art activities too, and also like mindful body movements too, to also allow one to creatively like let go of any emotions that they're feeling. So I encourage them to just enter this space in feeling that it's more of like a support and a connection um, network so that you can come through and know that you're here and you're supported and there's people there. And like, they're just different elements that allow for people to connect naturally at a pace that feels good for them, but also learn about what things can I do within my environment to also help me feel good, especially when I'm staying indoors. So there's a mix of that and social connections and socializing. So I feel like that also gives a good balance in terms of activities for one to to slowly ease into sharing. Yeah, in the same way that you outlined symptoms of SAD, that they can impact all these different parts of our lives. It sounds like the group is offering the social connection, but also education around it, and then opportunities for people to experience their body and to experience what their feelings and what maybe even somatic or kind of emotional regulation or meditative skills could really assist in that. So you're kind of speaking to everything. Yeah, definitely. Like when people come through, like it might be their first time coming and, you know, it's like being around people virtually is also like a different space compared to normally if we were in person, right? So how can we also learn and connect and get to know one, one and each other in a safe way that takes time through all these activities, but then also bridges that connection. So we're learning more, we're doing more things to center ourselves um, within those spaces. Yeah. And I love that it's an open group too, so that people can feel free to go at their own pace. And it's not necessarily as huge of a commitment in the idea of like, oh, I have to join this whole group for the next however many months, especially when our energy levels might be lower, but that people can opt in and opt out whenever they feel safe and comfortable enough. 
Yeah, I think that's important as well. It's it's hard, you know, if, if many of you are working from home, we're probably always being on screen all the time, right? So that can also be tiring as well, adding to everything that we're experiencing. So just letting people know that, hey, you know, we're, we're around, we're here. And like, whenever you want to or feel like you're more than welcome to join and connect and, you know, share what you're going through and know that we're here to also support that process. Um, and we're feeling this together. It's been Lovely to hear about your expertise, Lissad, but then we'll also move into some questions to learn a little bit more about you because one of the hopes of this podcast is also to get a sense of what therapists are really like as people. So I'll first ask, like, what's your current practice for self-care? So my current practice for self-care is I definitely do a daily meditation routine and which involves, again, breathing, but also pranayama. So yogic breathing. Um, I think that that's very important for me in terms of it's easy for me to not feel grounded if I don't do those exercises. So I really ensure that in the morning I have that routine and that's like usually 15 to 20 minutes. It's, it's normal when we're working and if we're also quite busy that it can be easy to follow our, our minds first, even though our bodies feel something differently. So mm. whenever I feel like, okay, well, I've been busy, like let's take that pause and take that five minutes, go for a walk or take a breath and just, and see how you feel afterwards. So you might not afterwards feel like, oh, I need to do those a million things I want to do on my list. It could be more like, okay, how do I feel? And realistically, like, what can I do within this time frame? I try to eat really well as well so eating a lot of like plant-based foods and making sure that I'm eating healthily as well as making time for friends to connect just to balance as well from staying indoors all the time what's bringing you joy recently what's bringing me joy lately is instead of resisting I've I'm no longer pushing with that to try to do more in fact the intention is like just really checking in and trying to do less being like more intentional and realistic so that my energy levels are also like at a good level and I feel like I'm taking care of me. I love that doing less is bringing you joy and the idea of rather than pushing, we could actually do less or create more ease in our life. And that can be quite joyful. Can you tell us about an APISA or Asian identified person or resource that you'd like to spotlight? So um, I really like Bridges too. I do like Bridges Mental Health as well. And um, I also like the New York Coalition for Asian Mental Health. So I feel like they also help to bridge in any like disparities and unmet needs within um, mental health in the Asian American community here within New York. And I found a lot of helpful resources in there as well. We have a lot of friends in the New York Asian American Coalition. So we will include that as a resource too in the notes. Can you tell us something about you that we wouldn't find on your Psych Today profile? So what I didn't add there is I also am into sound healing. So I have singing bowls just Mm. to help to bring balance and awareness if I'm doing something with mindfulness. So that's something that I feel passionate about in terms of restoration and grounding. I love that. Um, So for those who might be curious about you and your practice, can you tell people where they can find you and a little bit about the group too? So you can find me via email, therapywithalina at gmail.com. I work under my supervisor for a group practice called the Empowerment Opportunity. 
And a little bit about my practice myself is I am a Reiki and yoga practitioner, and I also do a lot of wellness and somatic based approaches within my sessions with clients. I have a background in holistic wellness and nutrition. So really relating to the body and relating to whole foods and learning to listen to our bodies and cues towards eating healthier is also one of my expertise. So my group is happening and it's virtually and it's on Wednesday and Thursdays. So for Wednesdays, it's at 1230 to 130. And then on Thursdays, it's at 6pm to 7pm. Amazing. I can imagine that a lot of people are going to get a lot of connection and community through that group. So I thank you so much for telling us all about SAD and telling us about your own relationship to it and a bit more about you and your practice. It's been really lovely to chat with you, Alina. Thank you so much for having me here, Christy. Again, it's so lovely to be here and also connect with you. Um, It's been a wonderful opportunity and I hope that this can also reach out to others so that we can all connect and feel supported. For any other questions or thoughts for Alina or for us at Bridges, feel free to DM us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health or email us and all the info and everything that Alina mentioned too will be in the description. Thanks everyone. See you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.